0: You don't have to stop. Thank you, thank you. So, if hey guys, if we shh, shh, thank you. If we haven't met, my name is Anna. If you didn't catch that from all the yelling and the screaming. I am the high school girls coordinator here at Mount Horeb, so most of my time is spent with 16 to 18 year olds. So this is quite a change up for me. Let me just say, you guys sounded amazing when you were singing and screaming a little bit. Um, But first, tonight I wanna ask you guys a few questions. So raise your hand if you're in eighth grade. Okay. So keep your your hands up, eighth graders. Now keep your hands up if you go to Pleasant Hill Middle School. Wait, 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 if you're in eighth grade at Pleasant Hill Middle School. Okay, so we still have a few of you here, you can put your hands down, I won't make you keep them up all night, but exactly 10 years ago, in October of 2009, I was an eighth grader at Pleasant Hill Middle School. It was, I know, go Cougars. It was still around back then. But I don't know how you guys do it now, but when I was in eighth grade at Pleasant Hill, the eighth graders got a lot of special privileges. One of those was in the mornings. We got to sit in the cafeteria with all, you still do that? Perfect, awesome. So you know what I'm talking about. And they listen to music. okay. So this one day, shh, this one day, I was walking up that long sidewalk to the front of the school doors that go into the cafeteria, and I, it sounds dramatic, so I walk into these doors, and I go to the cafeteria, I go over to the lunch table where my friends and I always sat, and everything's normal, we laugh, we talk, we catch up, and then the bell rings to go to class, and we stand up to walk to our classes, and my best friend hands me this piece of paper and says, "Hey." I think you need to read this, and I just want you to know that the whole time that I was writing this, I was crying my eyes out. And so my first thought is, oh my gosh, my best friend was crying her eyes out, what happened? I wanna be able to help her. So I went to my class with this paper in hand, and I sat at my desk, and while everyone else was doing their work before the bell, I pulled out this piece of paper, which turned out to be a two-page letter, front and back, and it said things like, The things that you think are interesting and the things that you like, we think are boring. We don't want to talk about anymore with you. It said things like, you spend way too much time with your family, you don't make time for us. I know, yeah, I know. My personal favorite, you tend to get upset when we don't invite you places. It's just not nice, you don't say that, thank you. And so I don't know how my 13-year-old self held it together, but somehow I made it through the rest of the day. And I went home, and in eighth grade, we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have Instagram or Snapchat, but we did have Facebook, which a lot of your parents probably have. (laughs) I know, but that was the cool thing to do, so that's how I kept in touch with my friends. So I got home, I got on my computer, and I got on Facebook Messenger, and I messaged my best friend who gave me the letter, we'll call her Sarah. Sorry if your name is Sarah, this story's not about you. But I said, Sarah, what in the what is this? This is so random. Where is this coming from? Just be honest with me. Tell me the truth, what happened? And she messaged back and said, so you want me to be honest with you? I'll be honest with you. This might be random to you, but it's not random to us. We've been thinking this for a while, and earlier when I told you I cried the whole time, That was a lie. It actually felt really good to write those things down. I know. So I'm sitting there. (laughs) And a lot of your hearts right now are thinking, oh my gosh, who in the world would do this? Thank you for being on my side. It's been 10 years, so I'm over it. It's okay. We don't have to go fight Sarah. It's all good. But what I was left with was the question of what's wrong with me? What did I, thank you, what did I do? Why don't they want me anymore? And so maybe I'm wrong, but I think a lot of you, if not all of you, have had some kind of experience with your friends or with people. Maybe not anything this dramatic, maybe something more dramatic. Maybe you've been the one being betrayed or maybe you've been the one doing the betraying but regardless of which side you find yourself on I think we can all agree that in our culture in our age in our world today we have a real friendship crisis and so friends to us to you guys especially I think friends are so important and they hold such an influence over our lives who's the first person you go to when you have really good news You're a friend. So some of it, shh, let's rein it in. Some of it is your parents, but a lot of it's going to be your friends, right? Just like who's the first person you go to when you have bad news? Your friends. Okay, shh, shh, let's rein it back in. Thank you. Thank you. So I hear this word friend used all the time. I see on social media people calling people their friend or their best friend, or their BFF, or their bestie, right? But how well do you actually know those people that you call those things? Shh. Hey, I'm going to stop for a second. So at any time during the message, if you hear me starting to hum, that means the room goes silent, okay? Thank you. But how well do you actually know these people that you call best friend or bestie or BFF? Would they be there for you in a time of need? Would they put your needs ahead of their own? Would they be vulnerable with you? Can you be vulnerable with them? Would they choose you in the good times and the bad times? So you guys have, how many of you have social media? So just about all of you. So just about all of you. So you have hundreds, maybe even hmm, shh, thank you. Um, so you have hundreds, maybe even thousands of followers on social media. But but did you guys know that your generation is known as the loneliest generation? Why? Shh, shh, why do you think this is? And I think we owe this a lot. Shh, Thank you. I think we owe this a lot to social media. And I don't know if you guys know this, but social media has actually been around since before the 1900s. What? The very, the very, it was not MySpace. Um, No, it was actually in the form of writing letters. What? So that's the thing when you get a paper and a pen and you write stuff down and you send it to people? Shh. So people did this to keep in touch with their friends who were across the world, across the country, across the state, even across town. So people they didn't get to see every single day. And technology since then has made it a lot easier, right? It's made it quicker, more accessible. But I think our culture has taken what social media was meant to be, which was maintaining deeper friendships with a few people, and it's turned it into cultivating superficial friendships with a lot of people. Would you guys agree? Yes? So I think this is where we find our, our friendship crisis, is that people are looking for followers rather than friends. So think about Instagram or TikTok or whatever you want. Whoa, okay. Okay, so we're gonna think about your followers on whatever social media platform you wanna think about, right? Your followers, they see the best of you because they only see what you post. They only see the highlights of your life. They only see the good selfies. But a follower, as soon as they see something they don't like, they can unfollow you with the click of a button, right? But what about a friend? A friend is there through it all, the good and the bad. A friend's not gonna leave you. A friend loves you, even through the ugly selfies when you have sweatpants and no makeup and your hair's messy and not in the cute way, right? But so many of you guys, if we're honest with ourselves, so many of you guys have a plethora, S-A-T word, it means a lot, you have a lot of followers but you have no real friends. And I see all the time, I run our student social media, so I see all your Snapchat stories, or Instagram stories, I see all that stuff. And I see the Instagram questions, the TBH, I don't know you, but you're my bestie. Or like this and I'll rate you. Or, TBH, we have a Snapchat streak, but I've never met you. hmm Yep. Yep, so I think we have all of these friends, but they're superficial. Do you know anything about them? And then I think a lot of us, at some point in our lives, we're going to be faced with things, with seasons, where we need real friends to turn to. But when we turn to them, all we have are these superficial friendships that we've made. So then we're left thinking, what does a real friend really look like? And the other day, I asked some of my high school students, what is a real friend to you? Give me some words, some phrases, and this is the list we came up with. A real friend is still there after all the mess. A real friend is someone you can be 100% yourself around. A real friend thinks about you. A real friend is someone who you can go to whenever, with whatever. A real friend is loyal, supportive, honest, respectful, loving, helpful, trustworthy. Would you guys agree with that? So tonight I wanna camp out in a passage, John 15, nine through 17. So while you're flipping there in your Bibles or scrolling there on your Bible app, I'm gonna give you a little bit of backstory. So the Gospel of John and particularly John 15, this is a few chapters before Jesus gets arrested and is crucified. So these are Jesus's, these are some of his last words to the disciples who were his best friends right? So, these words are probably really important. And John 15, 9 through 17 says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, And that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if I do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. And so, first, I want to dissect. It's a gross word, not a frog. We are not dissecting frog. I, not a snake either. We're going to dissect, we're going to pick apart. Might be a better word for you guys. We're going to pick apart verses 9 through 14. And so I want to look specifically at verse 12, if we can get that on the screen. It says, verse 12 says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And so Jesus is saying, love one another as I have loved you. How does Jesus love us? Unconditionally, And I think we can find more answers to this question. Thank you, Tucker. We can find more answers to this question in verses 9 through 14. So the word love, you probably heard me say it a lot, or you read it a lot along with me. The word love is used in these six verses eight different times in the ESV translation. And we use this word love so casually today. You love somebody's outfit or somebody's hair. You love pizza. I love my fiance, but I also love coffee. But do I love them in the same way? It's a very fine line, but the answer is no, right? And so in our English language, we have this one word that means so many different forms of love. So what kind of love is Jesus talking about here, right? So the Greek language, which is what the New Testament was written in, has four different words for four different types of love. So the word that Jesus is using here in every eight times he says the word love is agape. Someone say agape. agape. It's kind of fun to say, Shh. so. So this word agape is used 115 times in the New Testament, and eight of those times are in these six verses. So do you think it's important? Just a little bit, yeah. So what is agape? Agape is the highest form of love. The highest form of love, anyone can show you. It is the love that God shows us, and it's also the love that God is. Agape is not just the emotion or the feeling, but it's the action that comes forth from those things. Agape love is self-sacrificial. So how does Jesus love us? I think we just answered it. But I also think Jesus answers it in verse 13, when he says, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Do you guys know of anyone who did that for you? Jesus, Jesus did lay down his life for us. So how do we do this? How do we do this in our friendships? How do we love self-sacrificially? I think it's super simple. I think we love others. And we put their needs above our own, right? Because a real friendship is sacrificial. A real friendship is sacrificial. How many of you guys love Chick fil A? Okay, hands down. Your small grammies? Okay, hands down. Shh. Okay, so when I was younger, my family and I, every single time we went on a road trip, we hit up Chick-fil-A before we got on the road. And so I was about 10 years old, Shh. I was about 10 years old this one time. We went in, grabbed our food. I grabbed all these salt packets because I love putting salt on my fries even though they're salty enough. I know it sounds gross. But I grabbed my food, all these salt packets. We went, jumped in the car so we could get on the road. And I immediately, I started ripping open these salt packets and dumped them on my fries. And the fries were fresh. They were those good golden fries. I was so excited. And I picked up a fry, and I took a bite out of it. And I immediately spit it out because what I thought was salt was sugar. (laughs) Yeah. So it was super, super gross and not anything I would recommend. But, so I was sitting there. I was left without fries. I was left without fries, but my mom gave me her fries. Oh, so nice. That is the ultimate sacrifice is giving up your Chick-fil-A fries, right? Okay. So maybe this isn't what sacrifice looks like for you in a friendship. Maybe sacrifice looks like giving your friend your last piece of gum. Mm -hmm. Maybe it looks like putting down your phone and being intentional with your friend sitting in front of you. Maybe it looks like going to hang out with your friend who's hurting when you'd rather be sitting on the couch in front of TV. Or maybe it looks like sacrificing your free time at lunch to go sit with someone who doesn't have any friends. Yep. So a real friendship is sacrificial. Now let's keep reading. Verse 15 says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. So in the second half of this verse, Jesus says, all that I have made known to my Father, I have made known to you. And why does he make everything known to us? Because what does the first half of the verse say? He no longer calls us servants, but he calls us what? Friends. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends. So back in this time, Jesus was known as what we call a rabbi or a teacher. And the disciples were like his students. So at this time, a rabbi and a disciple, their relationship was not really a friendship. The rabbi would only tell the disciple information if they thought they needed to know it. But what does Jesus say? He doesn't say, I told you what I thought you needed to know. He tells us what? Everything. Everything. He tells us everything. Everything. And so here in this passage is where Jesus refers to us as friends. And because we are his friends, he's made known to us everything. He's vulnerable with us. He doesn't keep things hidden. He lays it all out there in the open and says, here it is. This is what's going to happen. This is how it's going to happen. Because a real friendship is brutally honest. A real friendship is brutally honest. And what I mean by that. Is like we just said, they're vulnerable. They're going to show you every single part of them. And I would even go a step further to say it's being able to call out someone, being able to be honest and truthful with someone. You guys may have heard the saying, fake friends stab you in the back, but a real friend stabs you in the front. Yeah? And so have you ever had a friend, shh, And so what I mean by that is some of us may have had friends who are afraid to call out the bad parts of us. And some of us may have friends who will go up to you and say, dude, Tucker, not you specifically, but Tucker, shh, shh. But some of us have friends who aren't afraid to come up to our face and say this thing that you're doing, it's dumb and it's not good for you and you need to stop. But I'm not gonna leave you. I'm gonna come through it with you, right? And so this reminds me, last weekend, I babysit for these three kids, and they are super precious, and one of them holds my whole heart. She's three, and her older sister's six, and her older brother is nine. But every time I babysit them, every time I hang out with them, it's inevitable the six-year-old and the nine-year-old end up fighting. They're fighting about, your game is stupid. My game's not stupid. Your game is stupid. And they get in whatever kind of fight. And always, without fail, the three-year-old, my girl, walks up to them and says, in the sassiest three-year-old voice, she's like, you guys are both being stupid. can we all just be friends? And so this is exactly what it looks like, calling people out. Not so you can be right, not so you can call them out and walk away, but calling them out so you can come alongside them and help them, right? Okay, let's keep going. Verse 16 says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And so the first part of this I love is that Jesus chooses us. Jesus chose you. And I've been reading this book lately. It's called You Are the Girl for the Job. And I was reading it the other day, and I came across this one paragraph where the author, Jessica, is talking about Jesus' friendships with the disciples. And she says, I'd say he, being Jesus, was there, ride or die but not even Jesus experienced a squad or a tribe who had his back in the most important moment of his earthly life. Still, he chose them intentionally with full knowledge of who they were and how they would treat him. So I surmise this about Jesus. He may not have picked the people who made him feel the best, who cheered him on the greatest, but he surrounded himself with those who would help him bring the most glory to God. So, just like the disciples, Jesus has chosen you intentionally with full knowledge of who you are and how you're going to treat him, whether that's good or bad. He doesn't surround himself with us because we're his biggest fans, he doesn't surround himself with us because we're going to treat him the best, but he surrounds himself with us because his relationship with us glorifies God the most. So do we think of our friendships like this? Of which one glorifies God the most? What I want you guys to get from this passage is real friendship is a choice. Jesus made this choice. He said, you don't choose me, I choose you. And so I shared a story earlier about a time in my life where my friends treated me very poorly. And that was not the first time I'd been treated poorly, and it won't be the last. But I was talking with my mom about it one day, about all of my friendships that had come to this head where people left. And I was sitting there saying, what's wrong with them? What's wrong with me? Why do people always leave? And she looked at me, and she said, have you ever thought that maybe you've chosen poorly? And I looked at her like, what? Did you just say that? But then I thought about it, and I thought about the patterns of my friendships, and I realized I had chosen the same people over and over again. And even when these people wronged me, I had stayed with them over and over again. And so maybe you keep finding yourselves in these bad friendships that fail you or disappoint you. Maybe you keep finding yourself asking these same questions, what's wrong with me? Why do people always leave me? Why don't they want me? So I'm going to ask you the same question. Have you ever thought that maybe you choose poorly when it comes to friendships? Maybe this is God telling you right now that you need to reevaluate some of your friendships. The truth is you choose the friendships that you're in, whether they're good or whether they're bad. And that doesn't mean that if you have a bad friendship, you have to ditch that person or stop talking to them. You can love them, and you can love them well, but you don't have to spend every day with them. But just like that passage in the book said, Jesus surrounds himself with us because our friendships are the ones that are going to glorify God the most. So think about your friendships. Which ones are going to glorify God the most? And so I want to briefly look back at what we've talked about the fact that a real friendship is sacrificial. A real friendship is brutally honest and a real friendship is a choice. And hopefully you guys got it, but like I said this is a passage where Jesus shows us not only what a true friend is, but also who the ultimate true friend is and that's him. That's Jesus. Jesus is self-sacrificial. Jesus is brutally honest with us and Jesus chooses us. And our friendship with Jesus shapes every other friendship that we will have. Now my absolute best friend in the entire world is my fiance, David. And that sounds super sappy, but it's true. And you can clap for him if you want to, but. Wait, 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 wait. He's in the back right there. (laughs) And he doesn't like attention, so that was super fun. But our friendship, our relationship is so great because he is so self-sacrificial. We are brutally honest with each other and we choose each other every single day. And he does a much better job at that than I do. And do we disappoint each other from time to time? Yes, absolutely. Because we're human and because we are not perfect. But our friendship, our relationship is strengthened because we look to Jesus and the friend he was to us. We look at the example of Jesus, how he is a friend to us, and that strengthens us to be friends to each other. And so now I think we can respond to this message in one of two ways. I think either you're sitting there thinking, I don't have a friendship with this Jesus. I don't know what that looks like. So maybe during this next song right there in your seat, you need to talk to him and say, Jesus, I'm reaching out. I'm accepting this friendship that you're extending to me. Or maybe a few minutes ago, God really came down and touched you and said, hey, you need to reevaluate some of your friendships. So maybe after this, after tonight, you need to go and talk to somebody. Maybe you need to pour more into someone who needs it. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but I would encourage you guys in this last song to really reflect on that, really think about it, and really pray about it. So let's bow our heads and pray. God, we are so, so thankful for you. We are thankful, Jesus, that you are not only our God, you're not only truth, you're not only our Savior, but you're also our friend. And I pray, God, over all these students that they would hear the word that you just spoke to them. I pray that if they're not in friendship with you, God, that they would be, that they would reach out and accept that. And I pray, God, that if they need to reevaluate some friendships, they would have the strength to do that. Regardless, Jesus, I pray they would always look to you as the ultimate friend. God, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.